Chapter Four of A Shepherd's Life by William Henry Hudson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: A Shepherd of the Downs. Caleb Bowcombe, an old shepherd's love of his home, fifty years shepherding. Bowcombe's singular appearance. A tale of a titlark. Caleb Bowcombe's father. Father and son. A grateful sportsman and Isaac Bowcombe's pension death following death in old married couples in a village churchyard a farm labourer's gravestone and his story it is now several years since i first met caleb bowcombe a shepherd of the south wiltshire downs but already old and infirm and past work i met him at a distance from his native village and it was only after i had known him a long time and had spent many afternoons and evenings in his company listening to his anecdotes of his shepherding days that i went to see his own old home for myself the village of winterbourne bishop already described to find it a place after my own heart but as i have said if i had never known caleb and heard so much from him about his own life and the lives of many of his fellow villagers i should probably never have seen this village one of his memories was of an old shepherd named john whose acquaintance he made when a very young man john being at that time seventy-eight years old on the winterbourne bishop farm where he had served for an unbroken period of close on sixty years though so aged he was still head shepherd and he continued to hold that place seven years longer until his master who had taken over old john with the place finally gave up the farm and farming at the same time he too was getting past work and wished to spend his declining years in his native village in an adjoining parish where he owned some house and cottage property and now what was to become of the old shepherd since the new tenant had brought his own men with him and he moreover considered that john at eighty-five was too old to tend a flock on the hills even of tegs his old master anxious to help him tried to get him some employment in the village where he wished to stay and failing in this he at last offered him a cottage rent-free in the village where he was going to live himself and in addition twelve shillings a week for the rest of his life it was in those days an exceedingly generous offer but john refused it master he said i am going to stay in my own native village and if i can't make a living the parish have to keep i but keep or not keep here i be and here i be going to stay where i were borned from this position the stubborn old man refused to be moved and there at winterbourne bishop his master had to leave him although not without having first made him a sufficient provision the way in which my old friend caleb bowcombe told the story plainly revealed his own feeling in the matter he understood and had the keenest sympathy with old john dead now over half a century or rather let us say resting very peacefully in that green spot under the old grey tower of winterbourne bishop church where as a small boy he had played among the old gravestones as far back in time as the middle of the eighteenth century but old john had long survived wife and children and having no one but himself to think of was at liberty to end his days where he pleased not so with caleb for although his undying passion for home and his love of the shepherd's calling were as great as john's he was not so free 
and he was compelled at last to leave his native downs which he may never see again to settle for the remainder of his days in another part of the country early in life he caught a chill through long exposure to wet and cold in winter this brought on rheumatic fever and a malady of the thigh which finally affected the whole limb and made him lame for life thus handicapped he had continued as shepherd for close on fifty years during which time his sons and daughters had grown up married and gone away mostly to a considerable distance leaving their aged parents alone once more then the wife who was a strong woman and of an enterprising temper found an opening for herself at a distance from home where she could start a little business caleb indignantly refused to give up shepherding in his place to take part in so unheard of an adventure but after a year or more of life in his lonely hut among the hills and cold empty cottage in the village he at length tore himself away from that beloved spot and set forth on the longest journey of his life about forty-five miles to join her and help in the work of her new home here a few years later i found him aged seventy-two but owing to his increasing infirmities looking considerably more when he considered that his father a shepherd before him on those same wiltshire downs lived to eighty-six and his mother to eighty-four and that both were vigorous and led active lives almost to the end he thought it strange that his own work should be so soon done for in heart and mind he was still young he did not want to rest yet since that first meeting nine years have passed and as he is actually better in health to-day than he was then there is good reason to hope that his staying power will equal that of his father i was at first struck with the singularity of caleb's appearance and later by the expression of his eyes a very tall big-boned lean round-shouldered man he was uncouth almost to the verge of grotesqueness and walked painfully with the aid of a stick dragging his shrunken and shortened bad leg his head was long and narrow and his high forehead long nose long chin and long coarse grey whiskers worn like a beard on his throat produced a goat-like effect this was heightened by the ears and eyes the big ears stood out from his head and owing to a peculiar bend or curl in the membrane at the top they looked at certain angles almost pointed the hazel eyes were wonderfully clear but that quality was less remarkable than the unhuman intelligence in them fawn-like eyes that gazed steadily at you as one may gaze through the window open back and front of a house at the landscape beyond this peculiarity was a little disconcerting at first when after making his acquaintance out of doors i went in uninvited and sat down with him at his own fireside the busy old wife talked of this and that and hinted as politely as she knew how that i was in her way to her practical peasant mind there was no sense in my being there he be a stranger to we and we be strangers to he caleb was silent and his clear eyes showed neither annoyance nor pleasure but only their native wild alertness but the caste feeling is always less strong in the hill shepherd than in other men who are on the land in some cases it will vanish at a touch and it was so in this one a canary in a cage hanging in the kitchen served to introduce the subject of birds captive and birds free 
i said that i liked the little yellow bird and was not vexed to see him in a cage since he was cage born but i considered that those who caught wild birds and kept them prisoners did not properly understand things this happened to be caleb's view he had a curiously tender feeling about the little wild birds and one amusing incident of his boyhood which he remembered came out during our talk he was out on the down one summer day in charge of his father's flock when two boys of the village on a ramble in the hills came and sat down on the turf by his side one of them had a titlark or meadow pipit which he had just caught in his hand and there was a hot argument as to which of the two was the lawful owner of the poor little captive the facts were as follows one of the boys having found the nest became possessed with the desire to get the bird his companion at once offered to catch it for him and together they withdrew to a distance and sat down and waited until the bird returned to sit on the eggs then the young bird-catcher returned to the spot and creeping silently up to within five or six feet of the nest threw his hat so that it fell over the sitting titlark but after having thus secured it he refused to give it up the dispute waxed hotter as they sat there and at last when it got to the point of threats of cuffs on the ear and slaps on the face they agreed to fight it out the victor to have the titlark the bird was then put under a hat for safety on the smooth turf a few feet away and the boys proceeded to take off their jackets and roll up their shirt-sleeves after which they faced one another and were just about to begin when caleb thrusting out his crook turned the hat over and away flew the titlark the boys deprived of their bird and of an excuse for a fight would gladly have discharged their fury on caleb but they durst not seeing that his dog was lying at his side they could only threaten and abuse him call him bad names and finally put on their coats and walk off that pretty little tale of a titlark was but the first of a long succession of memories of his early years with half a century of shepherding life on the downs which came out during our talks on many autumn and winter evenings as we sat by his kitchen fire the earlier of these memories were always the best to me because they took one back sixty years or more to a time when there was more wildness in the earth than now and a nobler wild animal life even more interesting were some of the memories of his father isaac balcombe whose time went back to the early years of the nineteenth century caleb cherished an admiration and reverence for his father's memory which were almost a worship and he loved to describe him as he appeared in his old age when upwards of eighty he was erect and tall standing six feet two in height well proportioned with a clean-shaved florid face clear dark eyes and silver-white hair and at this later period of his life he always wore the dress of an old order of pensioners to which he had been admitted a soft broad white felt hat thick boots and brown leather leggings and a long grey cloth overcoat with red collar and brass buttons according to caleb he must have been an exceedingly fine specimen of a man both physically and morally born in eighteen hundred he began following a flock as a boy and continued as shepherd on the same farm until he was sixty never rising to more than seven shillings a week and nothing found since he lived in the cottage where he was born and which he inherited from his father 
that a man of his fine powers a head shepherd on a large hill farm should have had no better pay than that down to the year eighteen sixty after nearly half a century of work in one place seems almost incredible even his sons as they grew up to man's estate advised him to ask for an increase but he would not seven shillings a week he had always had and that small sum with something his wife earned by making highly finished smock frocks had been sufficient to keep them all in a decent way and his sons were now all earning their own living but caleb got married and resolved to leave the old farm at bishop to take a better place at a distance from home at warminster which had been offered him he would there have a cottage to live in nine shillings a week and a sack of barley for his dog at that time the shepherd had to keep his own dog no small expense to him when his wages were no more than six to eight shillings a week but caleb was his father's favourite son and the old man could not endure the thought of losing sight of him and at last finding that he could not persuade him not to leave the old home he became angry and told him that if he went away to warminster for the sake of the higher wages and barley for the dog he would disown him this was a serious matter to caleb in spite of the fact that a shepherd has no money to leave to his children when he passes away he went nevertheless for though he loved and reverenced his father he had a young wife who pulled the other way and he was absent for years and when he returned the old man's heart had softened so that he was glad to welcome him back to the old home meanwhile at that humble cottage at winterbourne bishop great things had happened old isaac was no longer shepherding on the downs but living very comfortably in his own cottage in the village the change came about in this way the downland shepherds caleb said were as a rule clever poachers and it is really not surprising when one considers the temptation to a man with a wife and several hungry children besides himself and a dog to feed out of about seven shillings a week but old balcombe was an exception he would take no game furred or feathered nor if he could prevent it allow another to take anything from the land fed by his flock caleb and his brothers when as boys and youths they began their shepherding sometimes caught a rabbit or their dog caught and killed one without their encouragement but however the thing came into their hands they could not take it home on account of their father now it happened that an elderly gentleman who had the shooting was a keen sportsman and that in several successive years he found a wonderful difference in the amount of game at one spot among the hills and in all the rest of his hill property the only explanation the keeper could give was that isaac balcombe tended his flock on that down where rabbits hares and partridges were so plentiful one autumn day the gentleman was shooting over that down and seeing a big man in a smock-frock standing motionless crook in hand regarding him he called out to his keeper who was with him who is that big man and was told that it was shepherd balcombe the old gentleman pulled some money out of his pocket and said give him this half-crown and thank him for the good sport i've had to-day but after the coin had been given the giver still remained standing there thinking perhaps that he had not yet sufficiently rewarded the man and at last before turning away he shouted balcombe that's not all you'll get something more by and by isaac had not long to wait for the something more 
and it turned out not to be the hare or brace of birds he had half expected it happened that the sportsman was one of the trustees of an ancient charity which provided for six of the most deserving old men of the parish of bishop now one of the six had recently died and on this gentleman's recommendation bawcombe had been elected to fill the vacant place the letter from salisbury informing him of his election and commanding his presence in that city filled him with astonishment for though he was sixty years old and the father of three sons now out in the world he could not yet regard himself as an old man for he had never known a day's illness nor an ache and was famed in all that neighbourhood for his great physical strength and endurance and now with his own cottage to live in eight shillings a week and his pensioner's garment with certain benefits and a shilling a day besides which his old master paid him for some services at the farmhouse in the village isaac found himself very well off indeed and he enjoyed his prosperous state for twenty-six years then in eighteen eighty six his old wife fell ill and died and no sooner was she in her grave than he too began to droop and soon before the year was out he followed her because as the neighbours said they had always been a loving pair and one could not bide without the other this chapter has already had its proper ending and there was no intention of adding to it but now for a special reason which i trust the reader will pardon when he hears it i must go on to say something about that strange phenomenon of death succeeding death in old married couples one dying for no other reason than that the other has died for it is our instinct to hold fast to life and the older a man gets if he be sane the more he becomes like a new-born child in the impulse to grip tightly a strange and a rare thing among people generally the people we know it is nevertheless quite common among persons of the labouring class in the rural districts i have sometimes marvelled at the number of such cases to be met with in the villages but when one comes to think about it one ceases to wonder that it should be so for the labourer on the land goes on from boyhood to the end of life in the same everlasting round the changes from task to task according to the seasons being no greater than in the case of the animals that alter their actions and habits to suit the varying conditions of the year march and august and december and every month will bring about the changes in the atmosphere and earth and vegetation and in the animals which have been of old which he knows how to meet and the old familiar task lambing time shearing time root and seed crops hoeing haymaking harvesting it is a life of the extremest simplicity without all those interests outside the home and the daily task the innumerable distractions common to all persons in other classes and to the workmen in towns as well incidentally it may be said that it is also the healthiest that speaking generally the agricultural labourer is the healthiest and sanest man in the land if not also the happiest as some believe it is this life of simple unchanging actions and of habits that are like instincts of hard labour in sun and wind and rain from day to day with its weekly break and rest and of but few comforts and no luxuries which serves to bind man and wife so closely and the longer their life goes on together the closer and more unbreakable the union grows they are growing old 
old friends and companions have died or left them their children have married and gone away and have their own families and affairs so that the old folks at home are little remembered and to all others they have become of little consequence in the world but they do not know it for they are together cherishing the same memories speaking of the same old familiar things and their lost friends and companions their absent perhaps estranged children are with them still in mind as in the old days the past is with them more than the present to give an undying interest to life for they share it and it is only when one goes when the old wife gets the tea ready and goes mechanically to the door to gaze out knowing that her tired man will come in no more to take his customary place and listen to all the things she has stored up in her mind during the day to tell him and when the tired labourer comes in at dusk to find no old wife waiting to give him his tea and talk to him while he refreshes himself he all at once realises his position he finds himself cut off from the entire world from all of his kind where are they all the enduring sympathy of that one soul that was with him till now had kept him in touch with life had made it seem unchanged and unchangeable and with that soul has vanished the old sweet illusion as well as all ties all common human affection he is desolate indeed alone in a desert world and it is not strange that in many and many a case even in that of a man still strong untouched by disease and good for another decade or two the loss the awful solitude has proved too much for him such cases i have said are common but they are not recorded though it is possible with labour to pick them out in the church registers but in the churchyards you do not find them since the farm labourer has only a green mound to mark the spot where he lies nevertheless he is sometimes honoured with a gravestone and last august i came by chance on one on which was recorded a case like that of isaac bawcombe and his life mate the churchyard is in one of the prettiest and most secluded villages in the downland country described in this book the church is ancient and beautiful and interesting in many ways and the churchyard too is one of the most interesting i know a beautiful green tree-shaded spot with an extraordinary number of tombs and gravestones many of them dated in the eighteenth and seventeenth centuries inscribed with names of families which have long died out i went on that afternoon to pass an hour in the churchyard and finding an old man in labourer's clothes resting on a tomb i sat down and entered into conversation with him he was seventy-nine he told me and past work and he had three shillings a week from the parish but he was very deaf and it fatigued me to talk to him and seeing the church open i went in on previous visits i had had a good deal of trouble to get the key and to find it open now was a pleasant surprise an old woman was there dusting the seats and by and by while i was talking with her the old labourer came stumping in with his ponderous iron-shod boots and without taking off his old rusty hat and began shouting at the church cleaner about a pair of trousers he had given her to mend which he wanted badly leaving them to their arguing i went out and began studying the inscriptions on the stones so hard to make out in some instances the old man followed and went his way then the church cleaner came out to where i was standing 
a tiresome old man she said he's that deaf he has to shout to hear himself speak then you've got to shout back and all about his old trousers i suppose he wants them i returned and you promised to do them so he has some reason for going at you about it oh no he hasn't she replied the girl brought them for me to mend and i said leave them and i'll do them when i've time how did i know he wanted them in a hurry a troublesome old man by and by taking a pair of spectacles out of her pocket she put them on and going down on her knees she began industriously picking the old brown dead moss out of the lettering on one side of the tomb i'd like to know what it says on this stone she said well you can read it for yourself now you've got your glasses on i can't read you see i'm old seventy-six years and when i were little we were very poor and i couldn't get no schooling i've got these glasses to do my sewing and only put them on to get this stuff out so you could read it i'd like to hear you read it i began to get interested in the old dame who talked to me so freely she was small and weak-looking and appeared very thin in her limp old faded gown she had a meek patient expression on her face and her voice too like her face expressed weariness and resignation but if you have always lived here you must know what is said on this stone no i don't nobody never read it to me and i couldn't read it because i wasn't taught to read but i'd like to hear you read it it was a long inscription to a person named ash gentleman of this parish who departed this life over a century ago and was a man of noble and generous disposition good as a husband a father a friend and charitable to the poor under all were some lines of verse scarcely legible in spite of the trouble she had taken to remove the old moss from the letters she listened with profound interest then said i never heard all that before i didn't know the name though i've known this stone since i was a child i used to climb on to it then can you read me another i read her another and several more then came to one which she said she knew every word of it for this was the grave of the sweetest kindest woman that ever lived oh how good this dear woman had been to her in her young married life more fifty years ago if that dear lady had only lived it would not have been so hard for her when her trouble come and what was your trouble it was the loss of my poor man he was such a good man a thatcher and he fell from a rick and injured his spine and he died poor fellow and left me with our five little children then having told me her own tragedy to my surprise she brightened up and begged me to read other inscriptions to her i went on reading and presently she said no that's wrong there wasn't ever a lampard in this parish that i know you don't know there certainly was a lampard or it would not be stated here cut in deep letters on this stone no there wasn't a lampard i've never known such a name and i've lived here all my life but there were people living here before you came on the scene he died a long time ago this lampard in uh, seventeen fourteen it says and you are only seventy-six you tell me that is to say you were born in eighteen thirty five and that would be one hundred and twenty-one years after he died that's a long time it must be very old this stone and the church too i've heard say it was once a roman catholic church is that true 
why of course it's true all the old churches were and we were all of that faith until the king of england had a quarrel with the pope and determined he would be pope himself as well as king in his own country so he turned all the priests and monks out and took their property and churches and had his own men put in that was henry the eighth i've heard something about that king and his wives but about lampard it do seem strange i've never heard that name before oh, not strange at all it was a common name in this part of wiltshire in former days you find it in dozens of churchyards but you'll find very few lampards living in the villages why i could tell you a dozen or twenty surnames some queer funny names that were common in these parts not more than a century ago which seem to have quite died out i should like to hear some of them if you'll tell me well, let me think a moment there was thor pizzy g every poddle kiddle tumor shergold and here she interrupted to say that she knew three of the names i had mentioned then pointing to a small upright gravestone about twenty feet away she added and there's one very well i said but don't keep putting me out i've got more names in my mind to tell you maidment marchmont velvin burpet windsor rideout cullern of these she only knew one rideout then i went over to the stone she had pointed to and read the inscription to john toomer and his wife rebecca she died first in march eighteen seventy seven aged seventy two he in july the same year aged seventy five you knew them i suppose yes they belonged here both of them well tell me about them there's nothing to tell he was only a labourer and worked on the same farm all his life who put a stone over them their children no they're all poor and live away i think it was a lady who lived here she'd been good to them and she came and stood here when they put old john in the ground but i want to hear more there's no more i've said he was a labourer and after she died he died yes go on how can i go on there's no more i knew them so well they lived in the little thatched cottage over there where the millards live now did they fall ill at the same time oh no he was as well as could be still at work till she died then he went on in a strange way he would come in of an evening and call his wife mother mother where are you you'd hear him call mother be you upstairs mother ain't you coming down for a bit of bread and cheese before you go to bed and then in a little while he just died and you said there was nothing to tell no there wasn't anything he was just one of us a laborer on the farm i then gave her something and to my surprise after taking it she made me an elaborate curtsy it rather upset me for i had thought we had got on very well together and were quite free and easy in our talk very much on a level but she was not done with me yet she followed to the gate and holding out her open hand with that small gift in it she said in a pathetic voice did you think sir i was expecting this i had no such thought and didn't want it and i had no thought of saying or writing a word about her but since that day she has haunted me 
she and her old john toomer and it has just now occurred to me that by putting her in my book i may be able to get her out of my mind End of chapter 4